One guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildey and John Coon. It is the Coon Podcast, episode two. We made it. We did. We, we made it. We, we at least got a second episode. Uh-huh. I don't know if there'll be three. I don't know if there'll be 13. I don't well, know if there'll be 30. It, we made it to two. And they say your most improvement is before or between the first and the second game. And Well, that's the what first. they say. Yeah, well. <laughs> I can't guarantee that's going to happen. We should be very much improved this week being round two. Not only that, but we've spent, you know, you filled in as our cousin sub of the day on Wildey and Tausch two consecutive days. Listen, if you're going to be plugging your show, we might have to talk Wildey and Tausch, it. 9 to noon every <laughs> weekday on ESPN Wisconsin and ESPNWisconsin.com. Here's my question. Mm. Who have you spent more time with this week? Your wife or me? Mm. While awake. While awake? Right, because you're yeah. going home after a long day at work. I know you were here late Dang, last I... night. I might have to say, Jason. I know. Really? How terrible is that for Between you? Between locker room, this, the shows. Yeah. Jason That's Wildey. not good. It's not good. No. It's not good for you. <laughs> no, I can't um, start calling you my better half. Uh, no, I'm definitely the lesser half when we do the show together, too. We had a great time. We talked to one of your old teammates on Thursday in Ryan Grant, in part because of where the Packers are at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. Um when you look at Devontae Adams, who said on Thursday that he's feeling a million times better but still doesn't know if he's going to play or not, the Packers are trying to put together their game plan for Oakland coming off of back-to-back wins without Devontae Adams. What do you think that process looks like for Matt LaFleur? Well, I just think it, it creates an element of unknown for him. Uh where does he place these younger receivers so that he can utilize their set of skills? Right. And and let's be honest, not every receiver is created equal. Some are great at the X. Some are great at the Z. Some are great in the slot. Some are really good at all of them, like Devontae is. That's why him being down creates the greatest uh, challenge for Matt LaFleur because he's a plug-and-play guy at any wide receiver position. And there are some guys that have niches. And uh, with, with him being down, now you're left to playing guys – where their niche suits you. So when you look at Devontae, um, and we don't know, you know, that we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. By Sunday, we'll find out whether or not he's clear to go. I would be a skeptic on that. What's the worst injury that you dealt with and tried to play through from your well, career? So I, I had a lot of injuries that I did play through. One, so I broke my hand one year. I broke my hand, and I did not want to not play. And they said, well, well, you know, you got to wear a club, so I don't know how good you're going to be on offense, but if you feel like you can play with a club on, we'll put you in the block, and we'll let you play special teams. Sure. So I played a, I played a few games with a club on, and then they sat me after we clinched a playoff berth, two healthy scratches to let my hand heal after four weeks of playing with a broken hand. That's neither here nor there. So to get back to your question, the one that I played with that I probably shouldn't have is I, uh, I, I tore a hamstring in 2012 in St. Louis when they had a football team. Right. Yeah. And I rehabbed. Uh, I missed two games. Then we had a bye, and I'm coming back after the bye. I don't care what people say about hamstrings, and this was a pretty bad one. Uh, Doc McKenzie did not like the fact that I targeted exactly 28 days after my injury to come back 
And I went and I did a rehab with this uh, program. Well, we did some research first, myself and Mark Lavat, and we found this uh, program that they do in Australian rules football, this rehab program for hamstrings in Australian rules football. Okay. And we stuck to this script, and it was a 28-day rehab. I said, I got 28 days. So you, like, found it, like, by Googling it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... The, 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 it's like me going on yeah, WebMD yeah, well, to decide what malady well, I have. The Googling, the, this is a different type of Google. This is going through medical okay. journals and stuff like All that. Right. I mean, I, I left the Googling to uh, Mark so, to Mark Labot okay. and our training staff. And Doc McKenzie wasn't 100% on board, but he said, John, if you can show me that it works, I'll give it a chance. Okay. So we stuck this thing out, and it started off with the first week all I could do was walk and jog backwards. Everything I did was backwards. And I believe that was to uh, keep my legs moving, flush it. But m- when you when you go backwards, you use more of your quads than your hamstrings. That's true. Yeah, so so that week I did that. And then the second week it was, all right, you can start jogging. Now you're, you're going to jog 800 yards at a time. I felt like I was on a track team. And and another guy rehabbing a hamstring at the same time was Jared Bush, and if he's he said I'll never forget Jared Bush was the little engine that could. He was going. I mean, he was just a grinder. Yeah. He was a nose to the ground. He he's just going to punish himself and train and train and train. So here I I'm running eight hundreds with Jared Bush. Are you kidding me? He's beating me by thirty seconds, and I'm finished. I'm keeled over, and he's ready to run the next one. I'm like Jared, oh, you gotta slow down here, bud. Because even you're, his jogging was yes, faster than yes. Your jogging. I'm like, you're crushing me, man, on these things. So we did that, and then the next week it was four hundreds, and then the fourth week was when I was finally allowed to sprint straight forward okay. and uh, and do some things like that. And I did just enough where I convinced Doc McKenzie to let me play. Now we're going into the Saturday like jog through before the game and we're doing routes on air where you're jogging now i'm sprinting i'm practicing i'm doing all this stuff my hamstring feels good we're doing and i reach over my shoulder and i feel this twinge in my hamstring oh boy and i'm like how did i just set myself back so now i'm like freaking out in my head i don't know if i should do this i don't know i don't know but i'm like yeah, let me let me finish practice. So I finished the little jog through practice. I didn't feel it again, so I was like, heck with it. I'm playing. You know, okay. I'm playing. I'm ready to play. I missed a month. You know, and back then we had a lot of uh, player bonuses for if you're dressed or not. Right, roster I mean, bonuses. I, I had a lot of money on the line that I already missed being out a month. So I didn't want to miss another one of those. So we went into pregame. We're getting ready. We announced the inactives. I was active. I was like, all right. Time to do this. We go out in pregame. I do my first route with the team and fall right on my face because my leg just, boom, just gives out on me. And I fall right on my face in pregame warm-ups. And I'll never forget, I, the training staff came running over. They're checking me out. They're, they're, they're like, massaging me. They're getting me ready. They're like, well, man, I don't know. Doc McKenzie is ready to tell me I'm down. And I'll never forget it. We came in. I went into the locker room early. Because Flea said he could tape me up and make it feel better, that most likely it was just some scar tissue that popped in my hamstring. My hamstring is on fire. Okay. 
So we go in there. He tapes me up, gets my leg. I mean, I could barely bend this thing. I don't know how I'm going to run with this thing to, in, in the first place. And Coach Mike comes in, and I can tell he's fired up. Right? Because he he's going to be yeah, down a guy, yeah, he's essentially. Like, he's like, John, you said you could go. I said, you know what, Coach? I did. I said I could go. I'm going to go. He's like, we need you. You have to go. Like, we only have, Dr. McCarthy. We only have two running backs in you. You have to go. And I said, you know what? I'll go. He said, and at that time, I was the third down back. He said, I'm going to let, and I think it was Brandon Sane at the time. He said, I'm going to let Brandon Sane, or it was, or it was another, another one of our halfbacks, I'm going to let them take third down. If they get hurt, you have to do it. And I right. said, I will. He goes, but you have to take all the fullback because we got a lot of fullback stuff in this week. Right. So I did. I played with that in that game. And about three or four more times, I must have popped this scar tissue throughout the game. I can remember one time we ran an outside toss, and I'm lead blocking. Man, I just... I'm just out there flying, getting out in front of the play. I hit my guy. I take him all the way sideline. It's a great block. We finish on the ground, and as I land on him on the ground, it felt like my leg popped and exploded again. So I experienced that like three or four times throughout the game. Thankfully, our running back stayed healthy, and I and I only had to play fullback and personal protector on the punt team okay. in that game, and that's all I did. But uh, after that game, I was pretty good for the rest of the season. So it really was the scar tissue. You yeah. weren't re-injuring the yeah. hamstring. Yeah, it so. really was just the scar tissue. But I felt that. I felt that breaking up the scar tissue, re-scarring him. Breaking up the scar tissue, re-scarring him. For, for the rest of the year, we played a playoff game at home against Minnesota where I scored a touchdown. And so as this I, is 12? Yeah. Then? As okay. I scored the touchdown, I landed on my leg that I pulled this hamstring, that I tore this hamstring. I landed on my leg, did like a pirouette, spun in a 360, and the whole time I'm spinning, I'm not thinking, don't go down. I'm thinking, don't tear your hamstring. Like, I'm just trying to balance on this leg so it doesn't tear again as I did the spin. And somehow I stayed on my feet. I don't even know how. And uh, I I felt that thing the whole rest of the year. So uh, before we look back on Detroit or look ahead to Oakland, I I think it's important to ask this. So and, And I don't I don't want anybody thrown under the bus, not that you ever would anyway. But there are different types of personalities in the locker room, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to injuries, uh, you know, the idea of being hurt versus being injured, etc. You have played with guys when you play 13 years. There are guys that need to be 100% or they're not playing. Mm-hmm. And then there are guys who are wired, I'm playing no matter what, yep. and the doctors have to keep them off the field. Mm-hmm. What is it? What's that dynamic like among teammates because there have to be times where the guys that are wired as I'm playing no matter what, the Marco Rivera's yeah. mm-hmm. back of the day playing with a club on his hand and a torn MCL and yep. he's playing the week after the injury, what is the dynamic between those guys and maybe some of those guys that, look, if I'm not 100%, I, I, I can't go. I can't play the game the you way know, I play. It's like a family member. You know, you, you, you accept them for any way that they are, and that's the way we are. We're a family, so you accept your guys. Now, it, doesn't mean you're not going to dog him out or cuss him out under your breath and say, man, I wish he would just pull it together. But I always understood this, too. So I, I could play that game at fullback and at personal protector, you know, tearing the scar tissue in, in right. agonizing pain. I could do that at the position and still be uh, productive. At the wide receiver position, at right. the cornerback position, right. you're not at the running back position, you're not doing that. And that is is truly I understood about that time manner if guys I've, I've been out four weeks and this is what I'm experiencing I'm not hurting myself anymore I'm not re I'm not you know I'm on the verge of it but I'm not re-injuring myself right. 
but I'm playing through some significant pain. I don't know if I could have been productive playing one of those positions where you have to high-speed, aggressive cuts all the time and catch a ball and protect the ball while you have this on the back of your mind. Right. It, it, it's, it's a different thing. So the reason I ask that is because you were teammates with Devontae in 2015, mm-hmm. and I, I had this conversation with him the other day. He wants to play, obviously. Yeah. But you look back on 15, and he acknowledged this, that, look, you had lost Jordy Nelson for the season. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, we lost our big dog, and I wanted to give my quarterback someone to throw the football to. He had become, in his second year, yeah. your number one receiver because Cobby's a slot guy. Yep. He's the outside receiver, and he played through that ankle injury that he suffered against Seattle. Yeah. The second, the week after that, week three, mm-hmm. he plays three snaps against Kansas City, yep. and he pops it again, and he doesn't play. Misses the rest of that game three weeks after that, but then comes back and keeps re-injuring it and yeah. keeps playing through it, mm-hmm. and he's just toughing it out. Yeah, he's toughing it out. And if you remember, that was the that was the year Devontae had some drops, and 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 he you was know, ten. And, drops. Yeah, and, and 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 he knows that, and he knows that, you know, Devontae Adams at ten drops. Well, that was our best bet at that time. Right. So that's why he's suffering and gutting through it. But he knows he knows that. Those drops, not because he's a bad receiver. I mean, he was battling through some stuff. Right. And there were fans that, by the end of that season, when he only caught 50 balls and had only one touchdown. Yeah, they had given up on him. Yeah. uh, You know, they should cut him and give Jeff Janis more opportunities. Um, It turned out that it was right to be patient with him. Yeah, well, I mean, and and again, I'm telling you, he's out there Every time he makes an aggressive break, he feels right. that. It might not slow him down so you can see it on film, but he's feeling it, and now right. he's got to catch a ball. Also remember to get his head around so he doesn't get knocked off. I mean, it's it's not easy to play through injuries, and when you have a very important I'm-touching-the-ball type role, it, it can hinder you. So he says you know, he's not ruling himself out. We'll find out as the week progresses. The injury report will come out on Friday whether or not he's going to play, but even though he says it's a million times better, he says he doesn't know when he's going to play. What have you thought of the way this team has managed to win two games without him scoring 34 in Dallas, 23 against the Lions, but they're 2-0 and without what I would argue is their biggest weapon offensively? Well, quite frankly, Aaron has he's just been masterful, and, and his stats aren't mind-boggling. Right. But the, th- the ways he's extended plays and the way he's dropped balls into buckets to, to these to these receivers that people say no-named receivers, I, I mean, we know him because we cover him every day, right. but these are guys that are not household names around the league that he's dropping into tight coverage. I don't know if there's if there's another quarterback that could really do that right now. I mean, it, it's, it's really it's masterful when you watch how he's played throughout these two games without Devontae and the way he's able to facilitate the ball to guys and still keep this offense on pace. So you were at every practice of training camp. Mm-hmm. You worked the sideline at the road games and the home games on the TV network yep. for the Packers. You watched so much. Did you see the Alan Lazard that we saw in the fourth quarter against the Lions? Did you see him in practice? because Matt LaFleur acknowledged that he probably should have played him sooner than he did, and he obviously played extremely well and was extremely important to that win. Yes. Now, here, here's always the trick. You're trying to extrapolate what you're seeing in the preseason with Alan Lazard playing against mostly number twos right. on other teams. And with Tim Boyle, and, quarterback. And, and is this going to, is this going to 
translate when we're playing against ones with Aaron Rodgers and other people. Right. And I think you saw that the other night. You really did. Now, Alan Lazard, to anybody that watched the preseason, was no secret. He had the big touchdown against Houston. He had a couple big catches against the Ravens. He had a really big game against uh, the Raiders up in Winnipeg on an 80-yard football field, so we know he can adapt to a different kind of field. Right. So, yeah, I, I did see it in the preseason, but but you're always a little hesitant on – because the regular season, the speed picks up from the preseason. The quality of players on the field picks up. So you're always just a little bit hesitant. You're just a little nervous and anxious. You're, you feel confident in the guy, but it was great and super reassuring to see what he was able to do against the Lions in that fourth quarter. I am fascinated by what the process must be like throughout this week with Adams uncertain. Geronimo Allison in the concussion protocol. Valdez Scantling told me he was playing and told me he was fine, but now he did not practice on Thursday with both knee and ankle injuries from a play that he did finish the game after and from a play that he was able to come back and catch a 46-yard pass after, but he's not practicing. Uh, Jimmy Graham not practicing. He's got an ankle uh, Robert Tanyan, who missed last week with a hip injury, not practicing. So you're down to basically two tight ends, Mercedes Lewis, who's 35, and Evan Bayless, who's like 12. I mean, <laughs> seriously, right? He's been Evan, back and forth. Come on, give him 22. He's, he's 22. But you know what I mean? He's, he, you know, he, he played one snap from on offense last week, and he's been back and forth between the 53 and the practice squad. That has to be, you know, Matt LaFleur, if he enjoys the challenge, that's great, but it has to be really challenging to figure out what you're going to do because you don't even know who you're going to have. And at times, this is... In a sick way, this could be as much fun as any other week for him because this is when he gets to be creative and come up with some fun stuff and say, hey, my back's to the wall here. i got to really unleash some good stuff here to create some offense. So I'm at Dallas, there was no doubt I'm feeding Aaron Jones. I thought he adapted quite well against the Lions when – Aaron Jones was struggling, and he played the hot hand in Jamal Williams. Right. Oh, it was hot. Yeah, and he, and, he, and he was still able to find some big plays with his receivers. So uh, Danny Vitale has a better Instagram account than you do. I, well, that's because I don't have one. Correct. But, hey, he's, what are we going to do? He's got the tattoos. Oh, yeah. Um, he has developed a relationship with the quarterback, but mm-hmm. not to the extent that you have. I am not saying that Danny Vitale is the well, new you John are. Kuhn. That's no, exact- no, no, no. Well, you both play fullback. Well, hold on. You just said he's got a cooler social media presence. He's no, got- I said Instagram on purpose because <laughs> I know got- that he do- you don't have he's one. Tattoos. I don't have a tattoo. No, you I'm don't. I'm a little conservative there. But you were the guy that whatever this team needed for most of your career, you could fill that void. You could carry the ball from 20 to 20 mm-hmm. if you didn't have a running back. You obviously could do goal line. You could. You were the third down back. You could pick up blitzes like nobody's business. You could have probably played tight end if you had to, and they probably used you in some tight end ways at times. Yep, yep. If you don't have the, your tight ends, if you're down wide receivers, you know that you're going to have your two running backs, but you never know what happens to them during mm-hmm. a game. What have you seen from Danny Vitale as a fullback yourself that would lead you to believe that he could contribute in some ways this week because you cannot contribute this week. Well, Jason, I know that you think this podcast is nationally renowned already in our second. Very big our, deal. Yes, that's, my, that's the word on the street. 
But I don't know if you want to give this tip away to everybody because I do like Danny Vitale, and I do think he can be ultra-versatile and fill voids and fill roles that are needed uh, for a game plan purpose. And I, I do. I, I just think he needs a shot. You know, There's a lot of guys you just don't know what they're capable of doing right. until you give them a chance. Like Lazard was, yeah. frankly. And I, I do. I do really like Danny Vitale's set of skills. And I'm, I'm excited to see him possibly be utilized in some of these roles other than just the lead man. I mean, we, we did see how athletic he is and his ability to get downfield and spread uh, the defense in the game in which he caught that, uh, I think it was a 29-yard pass. I did tell him, pick your feet up, young man. Right. Pick your feet up. And you, you got a touchdown. I said, I said, you don't get tackled on the one. You wait for people to get tackled at the one so you can take the touchdown. If you right. get tackled at the one, you lose the touchdown. What is that called, vulturing? It's called vulturing. And I, you know, listen, I didn't mind the nickname. <laughs> I did not mind the nickname. Or the fantasy points. <laughs> three carries, three yards, three touchdowns. No um, big deal. So as you look as they get ready for this game, and obviously the Raiders are an intriguing opponent. They're an uncommon opponent. Um, the one thing that I would like to see happen on offense is another weapon that emerges. I want to see if Alan Lazard. Who do you think, who do you think could fill that role? Jake Kummerl. Do you? I mean, he played a ton of snaps and did not have a lot of production last weekend, and that could be for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. But Lazard comes in and obviously is the bell of the ball. Uh, Matt Lafleur said he needs to do it again, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that, yeah. anybody can do it once. So you put you put your Matt Lafleur cap on. You saw Alan Lazard in the fourth quarter. You you saw what your running backs did the last two games in Jamal and Aaron Jones. How are you looking to attack? An Oakland team. Well, I'll tell you this: with your not having broken down any of the uh, Raiders' <laughs> film, uh, because I've got you know a wildly popular radio show that you filled in on, and some other stuff uh, going on. I want to see Mercedes Lewis get the ball. There more. you go. There you go. I what like do you think that. of that? I like that philosophy. I do. I do because you know instead of trying to force feed it outside, let's 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 try and take advantage of what might be given to us in this circumstances and sometimes that is the little five yard out to a tight end now mercedes has some catches all his catches seem to be as big right they're 20 yard i think he's right. averaging two around. catches for 25 yards two catches 25 yards each yeah. last week yeah and and you know he's doing a great job of extending plays for aaron Rodgers and doing things to that nature i would like to see him also be hey let's just let's just target him He's shown he can catch the ball and make big plays let's just make simple plays with him now here's an interesting thing about the raiders Okay, the Packers have not been good on third down. No, the Raiders' defense has not been good on third down. So, so it's a battle of weaknesses. Well, to me, here's a chance to get what we used to call healthy on the stat line, because we got a chance now. We're playing a favorable opponent in this statistical category that we need to get better at. Right. So. I, I don't mind a quick five-yard pass on first down, a run on second down, third and three, because this has been a defense that has shown they've struggled on third downs. Let's make them. Let's make these third downs easier than harder. So, I, you've done a lot of one-on-one -on -one interviews for Packers.com. Have you sat down with Mercedes Lewis? I haven't seen every episode. You'll have hey, to you're giving me, me. You're giving me some great ideas here. I do need to sit down with Big Dog because that's what Aaron calls him, Big Dog. And he is a big dog. He is a big 
target a big weapon. And people forget this about Mercedes Lewis. When he came out of college, he wasn't a blocking tight end, right. which he's got that moniker for. Uh, well, late, thanks to last year in late, large part, too. Late in his career. It, it, so he was a receiving threat. Right. I can remember when he came in the league, he was a target. So I don't see why he can't still be that. He might not be 21 years old. Right. But he, darn it, he still has that set of skills and he still has that big, huge frame. Let's, I mean, and he's shown the ability to do it so far this season. Let's, he's really been one of the pleasant surprises of this season, I think, if you're a Packers fan and you're watching him. And obviously Jimmy Graham has had his struggles, but, but Mercedes Lewis, and, and if this is a meritocracy, as Matt LaFleur wants everyone to earn their opportunities, he has earned more opportunities. So they're playing the Raiders. Mm-hmm. How many times in your career have you interacted with, maybe it was while he was doing Monday Night Football for as long as he was, how many interactions have you had with John Gruden? Not a whole lot, just one. And uh, it wasn't a pleasant one. It really, really? It, was, it was after this uh, It was after this game. And, and I never sat down with him in a production meeting. I played against some teams that he coached. And obviously he called some games. But uh, I can remember after this year's preseason game up in Canada, we're trying to go through customs, and we got the whole team lined up there. The whole goal uh, was let's get on the buses quick. Let's finish our media obligations, get on the buses quick, get out of here, because unlike a normal away game, there are two teams flying home from this game. Right. And it's out of the country, so let's beat them to customs so we can get through the so you're line. you're competing on the field and to get out of, the, out of the airport. Let's, let's beat them to customs. So we did everything that we were supposed to do after the game, and, and we did it in a nice, efficient manner so that we got to the airport before the Raiders. We are in the line before the Raiders. And this is, we are all standing there, and we see their buses roll up, and we're just thinking to ourselves, yeah, you might have got us in the preseason game, but we, we beat you to customs. John Gruden, uh, Mark Davis, is it? Yes. Mark Davis and Derek Carr come strolling right through customs past all of us. And I'm just thinking to myself, you sons of guns, how did you manage to pull this one off? And they, and they skirted right through customs. And I can remember John looking over as I was standing there because I was kind of far up in the line. And he just kind of gave me that look like, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> wow. So what did they clear customs at the stadium? Cuz sometimes you guys would well, no, do like security no, stuff, they, there, right? No, the, the three of them must have had some uh some arrangement where they go in and and they instead of waiting in line and doing the standard custom search like like everybody else, they were just kind of rolling through and they were getting their bags ran through. So so they had a little they they agreed to get the the more aggressive search on them. But it saved them, man. It saved them probably an hour and a half, two hours of standing up. But the rest of the team, what about the rest of their team? Well, I don't, listen, I can't comment on how other teams uh, have a hierarchy within their place. Wow. The Packers, we all stood in the line. So you, uh, so did you watch um, Hard Knocks with him yeah. at all? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that never happened in Green Bay during yep. your career. Mm-hmm. And Thank that- God. Thank God. Really? Yes. I have. Okay, selfishly, and not because I want to appear in any way on Hard Knocks, because I know sometimes press conferences or whatever make it on there. I really want the Packers to be on Hard Knocks. Boy, I've I, wanted it my pretty I want much it my now. entire career. I want it now. The thing about Hard Knocks, you got to remember, is 
the the game is glamorized so much on there, and their storylines are 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 very well um, dictated and shown. But for me, I, I didn't want that camera. I mean, you never know at practice, especially you never know at practice when you're going to have a bad play. And boy, sometimes you have plays at practice that look, just make you look like you can't even play in the NFL. And if their cameras catch every inch and glamorize it and make it look phenomenally better than what it actually was, you can. if somebody looks phenomenally better than what it, they really do, that means somebody they're going against looks phenomenally worse. Right. I just, I, for me, I didn't need that added extra camera. Even late in your career where you were so established and, and a leader on the team? Yeah, no thank you. I, I, I but didn't now want you that. want it. Now I want to see it. I want to watch it. But no, I didn't, I didn't want any part of that. So the Packers have missed the playoffs the last two years. If they were to miss the playoffs this year, they could be forced to do it by the league. Yep. The 5-1 and one start, while it's made for really interesting <laughs> uh, coverage for me, um, not helping my cause on, on, the, on the hard knocks thing. I do – look, there's a, there's a theory, and I, I always forget what the name of it is, but that purely by inserting a camera into a situation – you change people's behavior. It's impossible you change, to truly capture them yeah, without... You, you change their behavior, and depending on how it's edited, it might look a certain way. I don't know what how, how you felt about it, but when I watched the exchange between Gruden and LaFleur on that hard knocks, I, I, did, I, I didn't feel great about it. Right. LaFleur mentioned that during the week, too. I did, I did not feel, I did not feel about great it. about it. I, I just I felt like Gruden was trying to bully our, our young new head coach, and our young new head coach was opening I'll tell up. You what, man. Was he was if I felt like Coach LaFleur was doing everything to show respect and pay homage to a guy who's got a big name in this NFL. And to me it just it just left a sour taste in my mouth because I felt like that, that appreciation was not reciprocated. So had they come in during your playing career, I think James Jones would have been very entertaining. Yep. Um, Jermichael Finley. Ooh, he would you have wouldn't have known what you would have Yeah, been. That, they would have followed him everywhere. Are there any, you know, I think Rodgers, I think would have been really interesting. Well, Sitton and TJ, him. obviously, they would have stole the show for the linemen. I mean, they, you That's know. That's a very good point. They would have stole the show. Um who else? It, it, we we had a lot of really good storylines, but I think I think TJ and Josh probably would have stole the show on offense. Um, Clay, now you know Clay. He knows how to work a camera. He does. So I mean, he would have definitely had a segment every show, which would have been great for him. And uh, you know, just flicking the hair with the water beads right, flying, slow motion, super slow yeah, motion. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I would like to have seen Charles Woodson too. Like, I, you know, he was great. Uh, in the visitors' locker room mm-hmm. in Chicago yeah. after you guys won the but NFC those are things. But game. those are things that, to me, as a teammate, I I, I don't know if I want that shown because yeah. you you guys heard the stories of it. I, I don't know if I want that shown because that's that's an intimate moment between right. a, a teammate and and the people he's leading, the message he's trying to get across. If the cameras are there, I don't know. You just said it. Does it come off as right. powerful? I don't know. And what's interesting, too, when you think about it is there's guys that are getting cut that will never play in the NFL again. Yeah. Like, that was their shot, mm-hmm. and they missed it. And for whatever reason, they may never get another one. You know? And so I I, I do struggle. And I understand that was the thing that Ted Thompson was like, no way, no how, we're never doing this because we're not going to do that part of it. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting was that 
like they had a receiver that they made out to be on the on the show, like the second coming of Randy Moss. Yeah, he didn't even make their team. That's and that's my point about Hard Knocks is it's a it's great television. It's fun to watch. Yeah, but it really it really gives an unrealistic look at football. I mean, when those guys all hit the bag, you know, the driving sled for the right. linemen, you think how is anybody ever going to stop that offensive line i mean the angle they get and the score they put with the you know with it it just sounds amazing so we've got a few more minutes cuz mm-hmm. as, as this could be like a 4 hour podcast but we've got some other work we both have work on our schedules beyond this um, i mean you, i don't jason i'll st- i'll sit here all day you're not going to go listen to the the, <laughs> the offensive defensive and special teams coordinators yeah, I'll listen to them. I I might not listen to them live, but I'll listen mm, to them. Okay. Well, I got to go ask the questions, and you you <laughs> you know what great questions I ask. They're usually the longest ones in the press conference. So my question to you is brief: What concerns you if you're the Packers as you face the Oakland Raiders this week? Well, I feel I feel pretty good with our offense being banged up the way it is. I feel pretty good um, with the matchup that we have with the Oakland defense. I said you know they struggle on third down. Um, Teams have been able to move the ball against them. They do firm up a little bit in the red zone, but we're really good in the red zone. I think we're tenth in the league. As long as you're in, not at the one yard line. In, yep, I think we're pretty efficient in the red zone. So, so I do like the way we match up against them. Um, I'm a little nervous of their offense, and I'll tell you why. It, what scares me about their offense is not the big play home run potential per se. Um, they're they're more of a manage a game, grind it out, try and possess the clock run the ball. Their tight end has twice as many catches as anybody else on that team. And what that tells me is they're working him into the field zones. He's used on third down. They're 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 pretty decent on third down too. Yeah. Their offense is. And Derek Carr is doing a good job of completing his passes. He's leading the league at seventy three percent. So I, I'm a little nervous at the way they're a game managing type offense and we showed that we struggled a little bit of that with Denver. Denver and right. I think Derek Carr is better than Joe Flacco sure. in this role, especially at completing 73% of his passes. So in a game where I felt like we matched up well against Denver, they really did ma- – they, they didn't run at a great clip. They were under four yards of carry, right. but they ran it a lot, and they controlled the clock, and they controlled the ball. And the thing is, when they do that, that keeps the ball out of our offense's hands. That's the one thing that truly scares me is – you know, maybe we do keep them to 15 to 20 points defensively, but is our offense going to get enough cracks right. if right. they can possess the ball? All right, so two non-game-related questions that I have for Let's you. Let's go. I know, I know you, you want our banter to be witty and whatever, but I'm a question guy. I know you are. So uh, Matt Schneidman, who is my athletic teammate, um, I don't know how athletic what does that mean, he is. He's, he's he's my what teammate team at the athletic. I've got oh, okay. a lot of teammates. Okay. I play for okay. a bunch of different okay. teams, as you mm-hmm. well know. And you're my you're my ESPN Wisconsin teammate to yep. some degree, part time teammate. Okay. Anyway. So we were discussing this in the locker room about players knowing reporters' names. Mm. I okay? don't know anybody's names. Don't quiz me. Please well, I'm not going me. to quiz you. But <laughs> so. And this is a little inside media, but I hope our listeners will be intrigued by it. So I went to Jair Alexander yep. today, and I had to talk to him for a story. 
And I met him at the Wisconsin Sports Awards, our great event with Good Karma. Do you Brands. know how many other people he met at the Wisconsin Sports sure, Awards? Sure, right. No, no, I, again, and, and I, I made a very Now, clear. I'm sure you wore that same Oregon basketball I I, sweatshirt I, I that you always coat. wear, so, yeah. I mean, he could pick you out and match you up. And that's the thing. You guys, and, and I do not, I'm, this is not, this does not bother me in the least. I, and, mm. and it's not one of those things where you say it doesn't bother you, and it does. Like, you guys have so much, and I've learned over the years you guys have so much on your mind because this is such a mental game that people don't appreciate. But we were, a bunch of us were debating because there's a couple of reporters who I think feel like everybody knows who they are. <laughs> and I don't think that about tell me. these guys. They like, there's get 60 tell, guys. Tell them there. to get over themselves. So Listen, I don't even know. I don't even know the media. I'm a part of the media. <laughs> and I try to know the media. I don't even know them yet. No, I love Jeff Kuhn. Um, I so, don't even know me. <laughs> so so I, I guess that between like 12 and 14 of the guys on the team know my name. Okay? Yeah. Uh, so That's Jeff, actually probably down from a few years ago. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a, fr- it's, a turnover. It's, it's, it's a younger yeah. team. Mm-hmm. But so Jair and I, 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 I asked him. He asked for the first letter, and he still didn't get it, which is fine. What did he say when you said J? Did he call he, you Jeff? Or? He, he didn't even try to guess. He's like, no, I don't know. <laughs> I would, if great. he had said Julio, I would have loved it. <laughs> I thought he might say Jair. <laughs> um, but so when you when you were on the other side of this yep. now, you know, you obviously dealt with us on a regular basis. Um, Aaron's giving you a little bit of a hard time at his locker from time to time. Yeah, yeah. What has it been like? Because I'm guessing that a lot of these guys – they probably don't know that John Kuhn played 13 years and was a three-time Pro Bowler. You know, so the first thing I did was because I, w- I wanted them to know uh, I'm in-house. Like, I, I'm, I'm a Packer guy, right? and that's not changing. That was part of the reason I took this was because I, I can be a homer. I want to be a homer. Right. I want to be a homer media guy for the Packers. That's, you know, that's great. I played here. I love it here. And I, I would love to be a homer packer. So my, my thing was, this offseason, I did the best I could to just be seen, talk to the guys. I made I, I made a conservative effort to make sure I go up to Bakhtiari, spend some time with Bakhtiari while other, ki- while other kids, while other players, young players are around. Aaron, so he could see that he knew you. Yes. Aaron, um, Zadarius, I introduced myself to Zadarius right away. Okay. Blake, like Tremont. I wanted these guys to know, hey, He's cool. He's one of us, and I and and I kind of took the leap of faith that maybe these young guys would be like, "Well, who was that?" And they would they would tell them. Now they probably were just like, "Oh, it's Coon. He's a goofball." You know, right. I, I mean, some of them probably did that, if not all of them did that. So th- that's what I tried to do to try and make sure you know some of these guys, and it helps. Like because guys you like, haven't been gone that long, no, but a lot of the locker room has changed but it's over new. since but, the last but time. But the guys who it. haven't changed over, they're important guys. Right. And, no and that's why I made a thing, you know, Devante. All the young guys are going to find out who I am because of Devante. You know, Bakhtiar, all the young guys because of Bakhtiari. Right. Aaron, you know, anybody right. will ask because Aaron, you know. Okay, so the, speaking of these older guys, then mm-hmm. this is the last thing we'll end on for Episode 2, which I do think has been a vast improvement over Episode 1, no question about it. Um, are Nick you Nate. sure? No, <laughs> I'm not. Sure? I, was, I sold it <laughs> yeah, really hard, did. though. Um, so Zadarius and Preston Smith are – Continuing to do their yeah. press availabilities together, and somebody, yeah, I don't think that's going to change. Somebody brought up to them uh, a nickname suggestion for them. Yeah. Uh, there was the Smith Sack Exchange. I think that was presented. Which you know what? That's okay. That's not too bad. Mm, I believe the New York Sack Exchange of the 1980s with Gastineau and Klecko was probably better. Oh, way better. So, and and they were very. I, that's polite. why I said it's okay. Yeah, they were very polite. But Preston Smith basically said, "You know, we 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 appreciate all your suggestions. Yeah. Keep them coming in." Which is basically yeah. saying that one's not good enough. Yeah. Um, 
from a nickname perspective, you know, Cooney. Yep. Uh, I know Tausch with Cat Pig, a little different. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he was—he had a lot though. He was Cat Pig. He was Big Rig. Um. <laughs> What's that process? That's what I wanted to get to before we ran out of podcast, and that is what is that process like in the locker room? Because it's got to be organic. But it does seem like, you know, Cobby, yeah. Cooney, like just adding a Y or an IE, yeah, not it's, the most creative. I mean, it's, it's not fun, but, I mean, Ryan Grant was RG. You know? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, right? I mean, Aaron's just pretty good. The A-Rod, I, I, it gives an ultimate link to him and another sports uh Yeah, face, I don't but, even know if that – I mean, when somebody says A-Rod, do they think of – like I think outside it's a of this building, is yep. it him or is it Alex Rodriguez? I think most people would think Alex Rodriguez think so outside of this building, but we—that's that's how we know him. But yeah, I mean the the nicknames are you know they used to call me Red Meat because I have red hair and I'm a meathead. I mean it, the nicknames that's not bad. The, yeah, At least the, that's better than just adding you know, a Y. Chad Clifton was the big Lamborghini. Right, Tausch is very proud of. Yeah, he that was one he was the big Lamborghini because you know you, it was hard getting him out of the garage. <laughs> <laughs> right, you kept him there for your Sunday drive only. Tony Mole was Scarpacci because he loved wine. I mean, it, you just really, yeah, you just figure out ways to do it. All right, well, uh, the nickname of the Smith brothers, who aren't actually brothers, will what's your remain nickname? a work in Let's progress. Let's go to your nicknames. Got, what's your see, nickname? I've got, I've got, I got nothing. You have no nickname. I mean, I was JJ as a kid, and then during the '96 season. When you were still in high school, and I was covering the team for the first time, yep. uh, Eugene Robinson, the veteran safety who actually did know my name, which was surprising, uh, made it shortened it to J Dub, which no one had ever called me that, and yeah. it did kind of proliferate through the locker room. Do you a little want me bit to start getting the guys to call nope. J Dub in, in the No, locker. I don't. I will tell all the players to start. Hey, calling it's J Dub. No. Uh, and I'm fine with them not knowing my name. Uh, although Jair now, after I got done with that conversation, well, thanks, Jason. It was good talking with you, Jason, <laughs> which was pretty funny. So it's been great talking with you, John. No, it's JK. JK. That's what, Do you like that? It's Is okay. That I mean, a lot of people do that. I mean, honestly, most people just call me by my last name, so it doesn't matter. And a lot of times they add use to it, so it's no, it's no big deal. Well, we added use <laughs> to the Coon podcast, and that'll do it. For episode two, thanks for downloading or streaming or whatever it is you do with podcasts. But this is episode two, episode three. You think we'll get another one? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see if we get the down, uh, the, the call back off the bench. Well, we'll uh, we will. Rec- I feel pretty confident that with your name attached to it, we'll have another well, thanks. One next week. Thanks, Jada. That'll do it for us this time. Thanks for listening to the Coon Podcast.